You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks Limit Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Katie Burke. And today I have a very special guest, wildlife artist, Joe Hoffman. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I also forgot a very important title, six-time winning federal duck stamp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. Uh, It seems bizarre to me. It doesn't seem like I've been doing it that six years, much less have won six. (laughs) Yeah, it has to be more than that because it's like three-year break between. Well, it's actually a four-year break. You can't enter the next three contests. Okay, yes, the four-year break. From the day you win, it's four years before you can win again. Yeah, that's great. So your brother hit six first last year, right? Yeah, the little... <laughs> little brother, right? He's the little... little brother, yes. Yeah, and then before that was Maynard Reese, would he been five? Maynard, yeah, he won five. And then I think there was a, is there a bigger drop-off after that? I can't remember. Uh, I haven't, you know, no one ever keeps yeah, looking back that I'm not sure. I, I know there's... At least one person has won three times, but... Well, your other brother. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) He's one of them. Yeah. All right. So when I usually start this podcast with someone who hasn't been on, one of the things I like to talk about is kind of like how you got into your love for the outdoors, um, yours particularly with art. Like, how did that all begin as a kid and like how to get to where you are? So I'm going to do this a little different because... I know with your background, your parents had a big influence, So, but both separately in their own way. So how, what was that like growing up in Minnesota and kind of where did it all kind of start for you? Well, as long as I can remember, art was a thing mm-hmm. in the house. My mom was an artist, um, was a commercial artist before she was married. And then she started having us kids, there's seven, uh, seven kids. Right. And, and you're the oldest, right? No, no. Oh, you're not uh, the I oldest. I have two older brothers. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're just the oldest artist. Well... <laughs> well, you have also a sister, too, that's an artist. a sister who's an artist. And my oldest brother is the only one of the brothers who actually went to art school. Oh, really? Uh, he went to the MCAD, Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Okay. And uh, for a few years. Uh, but he's not doing artwork now. He actually liked writing novels, so he's writing novels for a living. Yeah, it's a very creative family. I guess the creativity is something we all mm-hmm. share. So what was your mom doing in, as well, an artist? Well, she, she kept painting with her her friends that she had from art school, okay. so it was you know very common to uh, come home and my mom would be there with her friends painting. Um, and there was always paper and crayons and paints around the house so it was just seemed like a, a totally natural thing to, mm-hmm. to do art and so we all did as kids and um, my dad also painted before he was married oh really and we we never saw him paint anything he kind of just he didn't do that anymore but we I have a painting over the fireplace in my house that he painted I think in the 40s it was ducks. Yeah. Uh, canvas backs flying over Leech Lake in northern Minnesota where he used to hunt. And, uh, it, you know, kind of a realistic painting. And he and my mom painted a few paintings together, oh, also wow. of ducks. Hmm. So art and ducks were always a thing. Yeah. And my dad collected duck stamps, which was uh, how we learned out about duck stamps and and really the whole conservation message that they contain. Right. So uh, 
it all just seemed like a, a very natural thing to us growing up. Right. I don't paint anymore, but like I try to make my house with my kids like very art friendly. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't know if they'll ever like it, but I do this thing where I cover like the whole, we do it on rainy days, but we do it on other days too. We cover the whole dining room table with a big piece of like, I think they use that kind of paper to like make bulletin boards mm. and I tape it down and then I just throw materials on the mm-hmm. table. Well, that sounds and, like the way we were. My, yeah. my grandfather actually was a salesman and sold labels for like canned goods and things like that. So we had these huge sheets of paper. They had, you know, green beans and corn on the other side, but the the, the blank side was just kind of laid out in a, mm-hmm. in a large canvas. You just kind of let them go. Yeah. And like, even when they were little, like little, little, um, and they still are some of like, my older ones a little bit, but I'm like down to their diaper and just like go. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we can get in the tub after. It's not a big deal. Sounds like a good recipe for some abstract art or something. They ended up painting themselves usually by the end. Exactly. Um, That's that's art nowadays anyway. (laughs) You see enough of that. That's true, Um, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I went to grad school in Philadelphia, so I went to an art school there and um yeah, I saw a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I've tried a few, I do a few other things with them, but I kind of like, I don't know. I always, art was always something that was a part of me. Um, I don't really paint anymore, but it's still like something that's with me and I do it as a career and, mm-hmm. you know, I collect, I, as a curator, I'm always around art. So right, right. Um, I found just a different avenue to go about it. Mm-hmm. But so that explains a lot with your mom, like, and it's kind of refreshing to see that it impact like that part of her kind of just mm-hmm. naturally came to all of you. Mm-hmm. So your dad, you mentioned hunted. So was that always also a part? Yeah, of your childhood? he hunted uh, during our childhood. He hunted just about every year, I think, and, and he would go still up to the northern Minnesota areas mm-hmm. and that he always used to hunt. And so when we were like, probably about 14, we'd take our gun safety class and go out and hunt with them. So. Yeah. Um, so one thing I've noticed, I've talked to multiple either like decoy carvers or artists, they have this, there's kind of this moment with nature, like this, you're out there in the early morning and it just kind of speaks to you in a way that it doesn't, I think it speaks to most people, but I think as an artist, you're just more inclined to see it. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, and I think that is a lot of our, quote, art training, unquote, is that observing. And both my mom and dad had that. Yeah. She um, she would look at things and point out what was right in front of our faces, but that most people didn't see. She just just loved that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And my dad, too. And a harder thing to explain is not like how I became and got into art, but why I went into sciences also. Because that really wasn't obviously in the family, except through maybe this thing we were just saying, that both my mom and my dad dad were very... um, observant. Mm-hmm. And if a bird did something strange, my dad wanted to know why, you know. And uh, if there's some animal appeared we never had seen, he'd, he'd want to know what it was and what the name of it was. And uh, In retrospect, it is a kind of a scientific attitude, even though he wasn't, he was trained as a lawyer, actually. Okay. And uh, didn't have any science background and neither did my mom. So. Yeah, is that what he did as a profession? Was he a lawyer? Early on, <laughs> not in my memory. He he decided what he told me one time is he didn't want to spend his life solving other people's problems, <laughs> and so he quit being a lawyer and went into business. He he rented trailers. He owned a rental trailer rental, okay, kind of like a U-Haul kind of a company. But early on, it was U-Haul and my dad's rent-a-trailer system. <laughs> it was called, and yeah, he wasn't a good businessman either. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. Artists shouldn't be business people, really. <laughs> that's that's for sure. I mean, there are a few artists who are. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's not in our genes, though. No, and that's probably why I went in. Like, I went into undergrad as an art major, and as soon as it became like I had to do this thing, I was out. 
Like uh, I didn't want any part to do with it. Um, yeah. It wasn't mine anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's when I, I transitioned into art history and uh, I got okay. to study, you know, yeah. artists. And, well, that was what happened to me too. I, I kind of went to college thinking I like art and I like science and I took both. And then I decided, you know, you look at what people do with art training and nobody does what they want. You make become a commercial artist. and Right be drawing chairs or fans or something, you know, if, and not stuff you want to do. So I right. thought I'd rather just keep the art for myself, mm-hmm. do what I want to do, and I can do science for a living. Worked and, for a little while. Uh, worked for a while. <laughs> 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 yeah, nature came calling in more ways So you end up being a physicist, right? You're technically yeah. a doctor, Joe Hoffman. Okay? Uh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when did you go to UPenn? I went there, well, as a postdoc. Okay, that's where you did your postdoc. Yeah. Okay. Uh, PhD was from the University of Michigan. Yeah, why? Okay, I could understand. Like, you go into physics, though, so you would think it would have been, like, biology or something of that. Why Why physics? Uh, something about the basicness of the of physics attracted me. I, I, I wanted to understand truth, I guess. <laughs> I wanted to get to the bottom of what what is all this. And I mean, in art, it, it, there are more parallels than I think I used to see mm-hmm. between the, the approaches. Like I, I guess when I was talking about my mom and my dad being observers and, and that's what science is about. And I, I think that it's that same trying to understand what it is mm-hmm. kind of attitude. That, that, like questioning. Both. Yeah. Yeah. And in art, you definitely, at least the kind of art, wildlife art, and probably all art of all kinds, but obviously in wildlife art, you're trying to capture what you really are seeing, what the essence of what you are seeing mm-hmm. is. And it's, uh, it seems very scientific, actually, now I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I can see that. Um, so what made you decide, or so I'm guessing at some part you... You're getting less interested in it, and then you're wanting to go back. So, like, what was that? What was that like emotionally, honestly? Like, what were you like? How were you feeling like during that time before? Yeah, well, I I was doing the postdoc. I was on my second postdoc actually. At okay. Penn. I liked research mm-hmm. um, in that kind of university environment, and but you can't keep doing that forever. Okay. Uh, the next thing is you become a professor. But from my experience of what professors do, it, the majority of what they do seems to be writing grants and running a group and, you know, teaching, which I never liked teaching, actually. Yeah. And um, not so much actually the actual research. And, you know, and I probably would have gone that way except that I started to enter the duck stamp contest because of my brother's encouragement. Mm-hmm. And and when Jim won the stamp in 89, I think it was. I think so. Um, it was, uh, was like, you know, actually, this can actually be done. But still, I, I entered it. I started doing it just to start painting because I had kind of, I, want, I, had, I said I wanted to do it as a, like, as a hobby and do what I want. Well, I wasn't doing it at all. Yeah. I was like, how long then. did you stop painting? Uh, well, probably 10 years at least. Okay. Yeah. And I always thought I would. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always know, imagined, I but feeling. it was always going to be like, well, next weekend, maybe I'll get some of this stuff out. But, which is why it was important that the duck stamp contest has a deadline. Yeah, Besides that's being a true. small painting and a pretty well-prescribed, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a spectacle nighter or whatever the duck was that year. And uh, it got me going to do it. And so and then, so I was still a postdoc at Penn, and I won the contest. Um, and that changes most artists' lives yeah, in general. Yeah, <laughs> especially at the time. I mean, then you win, and then you're off to visit the president in the Oval Office, and you're who's off president to, in '91? That uh, was uh, senior or senior, senior, uh, senior, senior yeah. yeah. And uh, going to art shows, which I went to, even though I didn't have anything to show. I mean, <laughs> right, because you didn't have anything else. Yeah, I. 
I didn't have anything. I never had sold a painting before. Wow. I mean, the first painting I ever sold was the duck stamp, winning duck stamp. Yeah, entry. that's a hell of a first painting. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a weird thing. And, and actually, I did continue to work at the time for about a year. Yeah. But I, I'm kind of not a multitasking kind of person at all in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so I finally just said, well, well look the artwork, you know, yeah. time. You know, that you said like having the deadline, I could see that too, because I don't know how many times I would get excited about a painting and I'd start and then I get bored mm-hmm. and I just, right. Yeah. But having yeah. that deadline, I assume like that kind of really kind of keeps you, forces you to focus on what needs to be done mm-hmm. and actually finish it, you know. Yep. In this case, you don't sign it because it's a contest, but uh, yep. still effectively you sign off on it. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, you so you work for another year. Do you move? Do you stay in New Jersey or do you move back to Minnesota pretty um, shortly? I was there for let's see, I, that was 91 when I won, and we moved back in about 96. So, about okay, five yeah, because your wife is still working there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she left her job and be, was a consultant so she could be wherever, and then it was like we were free to, and so we and we never. We weren't really intending to stay there for very long in the mm-hmm. first place. I mean, we had we bought bought a house in about ninety nineteen ninety, and we're there for you know about must have been eighty nine. We were there for about eight years, and we never put curtains on the windows <laughs> or you know bought a dining room table or any of those yeah. things. You know, because it was always like, well, okay, well, we're going to live here for a while, but we never yeah. really moved in. It seemed like. And she's from Minnesota too. No, she's no, no she's not. not at all. No, she's from India actually. Oh, really? I didn't know that. So she was, but y'all met in at Minnesota in Minnesota in Michigan. Oh, at, Michigan, yeah, in graduate school. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how does she feel about Minnesota? I mean, now I guess fine, but at first she like. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, she actually she loved it. Um, she's from the mountains mm-hmm. in India, up in the Himalayas. Oh, really. wow. So. Uh, in a way, she is more used to cold than than I was. I oh, mean, right. she, you know, it doesn't get that cold where she grew up. It was a little lake up in the Himalayas, and uh, but they didn't have central heating, so right. uh, we were just there actually in January, and it was in the 30s, I think. And her brother is walking around with bare feet everywhere he was going. You know, and there's a, a sort of a acclimatized to the cold, I guess, in a way that we aren't. So. Yeah. I don't know. I made my husband move to Tennessee, so he's from Massachusetts. So, mm. and I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi Delta. So, oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I grew up in Ducks Unlimited and um, hunting and all those mm-hmm. things. And then I was interested in art, and mm-hmm. then I went to art history and and came back and kind of the perfect fit because mm-hmm. I grew. You know, I had the right. museum and then this, and here I am. Uh-huh. So cool. yeah. Um, I never would have guessed Mississippi. Maybe you don't have the accent, I guess. Yes, I was talking to Jerome about this earlier. And um, I, uh, my mom is from Louisiana, but her mother's from Connecticut. And they were like determined that we would, we wouldn't have accents. Huh. And like I would get a manners book every year for like my birthday from my right. grandmother. Like, thanks, Nana. <laughs> Can you turn it on if you want to? Uh, yes. And if I, you give me a drink, I usually comes out. <laughs> um, but if I'm around it, it comes. My husband's like, yes, you definitely get it. Uh-huh. But um, mostly, if I'm around it, like if, we, if I go uh-huh. back to Mississippi, it'll come right. out. And Tennessee's got a pretty heavy accent it does. too. I was surprised when I met some people from there. Oh. Yeah, it depends on what part. But yes. Mm-hmm. When you moved back to Minnesota, did that change, like, being in the environment more? Did that influence what you were doing? Hmm, I don't really notice, didn't really notice that. I mean, it may mm-hmm. be true. Yeah. Because even in New Jersey, I would still, we would still, um, email was kind of new, but it was a thing. Yeah. I, mean, I would email uh, things you're working on to get critiqued, mm-hmm. uh, especially by Bob and Jim. Because that's, a, uh, I think, a, if there's one thing about 
the three brothers that helps us is that that kind of critiquing. Critiquing is right. really important on something like that where you're working on something for a month and after two weeks you just can't even see it anymore. If right. you're working on the same painting for that long, it things can be just wacky and you just don't see it, you know. And so it's really important to have somebody that can look at it who especially if they understand the technical difficult technical processes that go into it. But mostly somebody who's your brother is not afraid of offending you. <laughs> right. And I mean, I can just like, as painting, like you can work on a spot like over and over. And sometimes one person can come up and just be like, you, this is what you need to do. And then it's like, uh, yeah. yeah, light bulb. Well, <laughs> good. If you, if you are, if you can respond that way. And some people have trouble responding mm-hmm. that way and it doesn't, but... It's, it, it's like it takes a level of trust because you can't see it. Right. Um, because you've looked at it too many times, yeah. honestly. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. We're going to take a quick break and then I have some more questions about the brother process. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. So you talked a little bit about that critique, the importance of that critique. And I'm assuming, I mean, if you're doing over email, I'm, I'm guessing when you did move back and you can actually see each other's paintings in purpose, that probably made a huge difference. That does help, yeah. Yeah, because just the color. Especially and, for color, yeah. Yes. Because, you know, it's, you really can't judge a lot about color once you've scanned something in or photographed something mm-hmm. and sent it. You don't know how the camera saw things and how the internet Tra- translated things and how your monitor is set and their mind. Yeah, so you can't count on that. But the the thing that it, which I think is important with a lot of artistic fields, like it seems whenever I talk to a lot of decoy carvers, um, mm. particularly gunning decoy carvers. I don't know if you know many of them, but uh, like uh, Cameron, ha- uh, Cameron McIntyre and these guys, they often say, Marty Hansen's one of them. Like they often say that relationship with other carvers is so important Hmm. that um, actually I was just talking to, uh, I just interviewed Gigi Hopkins, who is a bird carver and artist. And um, she was talking about the first time she went to the ward competition and she didn't know any bird carvers um, where she was in Massachusetts. And she went there for the first time and it was almost like revelatory. Like she got to talk about like techniques and she learned so much and it was just Hmm. it was the best thing that ever happened was just meeting other carvers because she lived in this bubble so it's it's so it's nice that you grew up in this it's kind of like a blessing that you grew up in this family that not only your brothers but everybody had this artistic background you had so much support and people to talk to about it that could understand what you were saying and that's so rare that Hmm. you're in this family I mean yeah, we don't do a lot of actually sharing of technical things, it do seems not? like. No. Um, just just criticizing each other? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> if still. you look at the techniques, uh, we're actually all very different in the mm-hmm. way we have our palettes laid out and our paints and our brushes and how we mix things up. But, um, Jim, for example, is much more organized yeah and he's got all of his paints and he pre-mixes paints before he starts and <laughs> he's got all the brushes and you know he he's kind of a master of that organizational aspect and <laughs> I think I'm probably the worst that way you think so oh I just I, it's, it would be embarrassing to show you what my brushes look like you know <laughs> and they're just like scrub brushes uh, I just I uh, don't I'm not efficient at all in the way I mix painting. And that's part of, like, I, I I wouldn't be very good at all at teaching somebody how to paint mm-hmm. um, because I don't really have a 
well-developed technique, I guess, or a process. Yeah. Um, and Bob's probably somewhere in the middle. Okay. Well, how was your? What was your mother like? Was she organized? I would say no. Okay. I can't imagine how she could. I mean, if she was an organized she, person, she would be in a loony bin, having, trying to seven paint kids. With seven kids running around. <laughs> I don't know how she did it. I don't know. Um, I have three. And I don't know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was. I think she just was kind of very tolerant of. Oh, you have to be. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to be. Yeah. My dad, probably not so much, but he was away working mm-hmm. most of the days because he was a very organized person. He he made wine while we were growing up. I and mean, then he had this very well-documented notebook where he would write down exactly oh, wow. what steps he took and everything. And It's interesting. I always like, sometimes like in your career, you're one way and then you're different in other things. Like I find like, like I always laugh with curators we tend to be like, you know, we have to take care of the space, right? And it has to be perfect. And then you go to our offices and it's a nightmare because we can, we have to reserve, like, we can't be that way everywhere. It's just, it takes too much focus. To, uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah, so. no, I, I'm sure I know <laughs> that aspect of, I was on a bus one time and these ladies were talking about another person about her. Her house was perfectly clean and neat and everything but she herself was a mess <laughs> yeah you just you don't have enough energy to put it around I guess, yeah. yeah yeah so you, you have to do it partition things yeah. yes so you have to do it because i also mm. find that um my husband makes fun of me in that i'm clumsy at home i was like it's because i have to carry everything so carefully all the time oh <laughs> and i just let it go so you get over cautious with it and then i think you just have to revert <laughs> back so i wonder like i don't know it just makes you think about what it is about why some of you are needed, others aren't. And what does that change in your process? Like, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm guessing Jim, like he has to take the time to set everything out. Yeah. And would that, for you, take away from your creative time? Mm. Yeah. And would yeah. that be an obstacle for you to do that? I, f- I guess I feel like it is. When I see something on a painting I want to change, I want to pay- change it right mm-hmm. that minute. Maybe part of it is that Jim had a better memory, has... I will say had a bit. It's <laughs> not so good lately. Uh, he has, has a better memory than me, and uh, I, I kind of feel like I would forget exactly what I wanted, what I had seen, mm-hmm. what I want to change if I spent the time and mixed up something or, you know, and got right. back to it. Yeah, because the creative process is different. I mean, y'all, y'all are brothers, but you're not the same person. Right, yeah. yeah. And our paintings, to me, look quite different mm-hmm. um, to a lot of people. They look the same. They can't tell. I can definitely pick out Bob's paintings over you, but I can't always get yours and Jim's. You won two with two swans in a row. Yeah. Why do you think you won with two swans? What's it about swans? Uh, I don't know. I... Part of it, I guess, in my mind, what it was is, you know, you're given a list of five ducks you can do. What were your five this year? uh, Widgeon, I think green wing tail. Okay. Yes, there was a green... Yeah, I saw that. A scalp, right? Was there a scalp or a golden eye? Golden eye. Uh, the swans. And... I don't think I saw... I can't remember what I saw on the board. I don't remember what the fifth one is. Yeah, I don't remember either. <laughs> well, you're right. Uh, but I, I guess my process would be to think what could win the... Con- I mean, I'm yeah. always thinking what could win the contest. But uh, there's so much impact with a white bird. Mm-hmm. And yes, plus, that's... So many ways you can go to depict it with the color and the shadows mm-hmm. and everything. That's the one thing I always have to <laughs> describe to people who don't paint or are not artistic or know anything about art. It's like, white's not just white. Right. <laughs> white's right. the most complicated of all. You don't paint a swan with white paint. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I guess, well, well, so the second time, I guess, swan again, I just had to forget. I mean... Ideally, you'd like to win with something different than what you did before. So, well, you did every other time. The swan's going the other direction this time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you, is there a species that you're hoping for when it comes out? Do you have a preference? I guess I, there are some that I would rather paint than others, mm-hmm. definitely. Although, you know, when I, well, the, the first time I won, I thought spectacle lighter would be the most striking. Of course, I had no spectacle lighter reference. Right, yeah. Had to end up uh, 
I added, had a photo of a mount of a Barrel's Goldeneye that I shot in Alaska, a female Barrel's mm-hmm. Goldeneye mm-hmm. that I liked and thought would make a nice stamp design. So I had to. I started with that and turned it into a spectacle lighter by looking at a thousand photographs. You right. know? Yeah. Um, but and then the second time I won, they were in, at that point in this program they had of trying to get every duck depicted on a duck stamp. Okay. They realized at some point they had almost all of them, so they started having that be the primary goal. One and by the time it was 2001, there was only one duck that had never been on a duck stamp, and that was the black scoter. Oh, really? Oh, I can see that. Yeah. It's a hard duck to paint because it's really just got this one entrance point. Right. is that weird knobby bill, right. and right. then it's fairly plain and black, unlike white that stands out. Mm-hmm. The black would be harder. Right. That was so. I put it against a colorful. Mm-hmm. It's wet got like sky. a pinkish, orangey background, Yellow, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. with mountains and things. Um, and won that in a tiebreaker with Richard Clifton. Oh yeah. So that was kind of a, how many tiebreakers have there been? I've never heard. Oh, that happened. I think, that happened? I think there've been a, at least four. I okay. would guess. And in fact, I think... Did he have a scoter? He did, yeah. Oh. Everybody did. And he had a scoter <laughs> with a decoy. Okay. Uh, and then he actually won. And then in 2006, he was back in the... Or I was in the contest. And he, I was second. He was first. I don't remember if that was a tiebreaker or not. Yeah. But he kind of paid me back <laughs> on that one. So when you're thinking about... How does your process vary from when you're going to paint the duck stamp versus just uh, any wildlife art? Like what is, I'm sure there's some differences because you have all these rules you have to follow for the duck Mm -hmm. stamp versus if you're doing something on your own. Yeah. Okay. So for a duck stamp contest, you know it's going to be judged by five judges. Right. And you can do something that's really cool, but in a kind of a weird way. Uh And a lot of, some of the judges might like that, but you're, uh, some judge maybe isn't. And the odds that everybody's going to like this weird mm-hmm. take on the subject is pretty low, I think. So you have to have, you can't have anything too odd. Even mm-hmm. if it's a thing, maybe ducks do that. They, yeah. You know, they maybe sit that way sometimes. And it maybe looks like one leg is longer than the other, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And in a regular painting, you can get away with that. Mm-hmm. And it can make it a great painting, actually. Mm-hmm. It probably wouldn't be a great painting for everybody, you know. And the whole yeah. duck stamp thing is that it has to be something that looks right to okay. everybody. So when you're doing something not for the stamp, do you tend to go, like, do you like to do something a little different? Just because you like to <laughs> stretch yeah, those legs a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, Just to kind of, you know, because you know you have to do another stamp. So Right. Yeah. No, I do. I think I do. I mean, I would think just to kind of keep the artistic like juices burning. Yeah, yeah, you got to keep it Definitely, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, when you're going through that process of selection of what species, you said earlier when you're in Jersey, obviously you weren't. You were doing more like with the scoter. You didn't have or the speckled eye. You didn't have a representation. Mm-hmm. Do you now have? basically a representation of everything you might choose from. I mean, now you don't have to worry about them doing the every species, so you, can, right. you don't have to be so right. strict with it. But Not as much as I would like. I mean, I probably have, I don't know, 10,000, 20,000 photos. I take a lot of duck pictures. I mean, yeah. I was just up in Manitoba about a month ago and taking duck pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are still things I don't have. I, I don't have spectacle lighters still, and I've <laughs> never seen hard one in the to. wild. You, know? you have to go to that island outside of yeah, like Alaska Saint somewhere. Morris, yeah. Yeah. But, and I didn't really have a whole lot of tundra swan res, uh, recipes. <laughs> tundra swan uh, <laughs> reference. Right. Yeah, that would be a harder one as well. We see a lot of them, but they're where we live. They're flying over at high altitude. You know, mm-hmm. I guess the places you can go on Mississippi River and see them. Okay. I just haven't done that. But anyway, I did have a lot of t- trumpeter swan reference. Okay. So for the tundra swan painting, I designed the painting based on trumpeter swans and then went in and changed them to, to tundra swans. Okay. Do you use taxidermy at all? If I can find good taxidermy. Okay. It's I hard, got a tundra swan in there that I don't yeah. know what to do with. If you... Oh, well, maybe I'll have to <laughs> get my uh, iPhone out. And... <laughs> Someone donated it to us and um, it's huge. But And I just have, I was like, I don't know what to do with this thing. It's mm, so big. Really? Uh-huh. We have it in the um, 
Yeah, it's just in well, my I'll closet. I'll take a look. Yeah. Really? It's less so because you're doing painting, I would assume. Like, because I just, I was talking to Cameron, I mentioned him earlier, and he does these beautiful um, carved dead mounts now mm-hmm. that um, I think he just does them for commission now. And he says he takes, he goes and shoots the ducks and then pins them to the board. And oh. he keeps them in a freezer in his studio and he pulls them back out and he goes, by the end, like, I don't want to pull it out of the freezer anymore. Uh, like, it doesn't stay forever. Like, yeah. Says, well, we've done that too uh, uh, because, you know, taxidermy, it's hard to find a good taxidermist and who you could actually work with and say, no, I want the wings a little more like that mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. So, we'll freeze ducks mm-hmm. and then take them out and hold them up or... Right. You know, the various parts. Just to get the feathers quite like how you... Yeah, yeah and the positions of the wings and, you know, it's... But yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't last forever. I, Well, <laughs> I, I, when I went to Alaska in, I think it was 88, I did get some black scoters, put those in the freezer. Mm-hmm. So it was 2001 when I had to paint the black scoter because that was the only one in the comp contest. And uh, I pulled that out. Well, it, so that's 12 years later. Thirteen years later, it didn't want to. It didn't want to really probably let you move its wings at no, all. No, it was like a uh, <laughs> it's a block, <laughs> a mummy mummified <laughs> thing. But but it actually helped because I was able to look at you know details of how mm. the bill. Yeah, it's such a was. specific bill. Yeah, and it turned out. I mean, so I I noticed it has the the lamellae, the little mm-hmm. things on the edge of the bill, and I put them in the painting. Um, which I wouldn't have otherwise. Right. And then I heard it, you know, as I said, there was a tie-breaking thing. And, and one of the judges asked the, uh, the there's a resident bird biologist. Right. The yeah, there usually is. And uh, they pointed to it, you know, with the other judges were around too. And they said, is this right? He said, oh, yeah, that's what they like. And Richard Clifton didn't have them on his <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but arguably a little detail like that mm-hmm. was something that helped me win that contest. Yeah, because yeah, I mean that's part of the judging is the bio being yeah. biologically correct. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask. Um, we're have, interviewing um, Jerome and Suzanne mm-hmm. on Monday. They had a busy day today, so we're going to mm-hmm. get them on Monday. But do you think they'll ever go back to doing the etchings or anything like that of switching it? Is those I just I love. Them. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, yeah, that is a question for the, the yeah. fish and wildlife powers that be, but uh, I think it would be really cool. Yeah, I think the way it should be done is not in the artist's part of it. You know, mm-hmm. I think we paint, I would have artists paint full color, like, mm-hmm. because the, the whole duck stamp print thing is a right. big part of the thing, too, and... The way they did the etchings in the first place anyway was not... They didn't start with an etching. They no. started with a mm-hmm. painting or a photograph and they have an etcher, etch right. it. Okay, and that's the way it, it, it could be done to have like an old-fashioned looking Yeah, because they have... Yeah, I mean, even Dean Darlings was in color, right? Oh, no, it was pen and ink. It was pen and sure, ink, probably, I think. Yeah. I think it was pen and ink. I was poking around doing research and I've done so much research on Dean Darling because we did um, a podcast and then we've done... Also, because he's kind of one of our, we kind of think of him as one of our founder, not a Ducks Limited founder, but kind of the founders of waterfowl conservation, right? right? right. So it leads to Ducks Unlimited. But we did a podcast on that and I did all this research and um, I never realized that him and Maynard Reese were actually friends. And that's who he talked to before he entered Hmm. the duck. That's who told told him to enter the duck stamp. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know that either. I found that. that They're both were in Iowa probably at the same time, yep. I suppose. I, I never knew there was a connection. I didn't either. Huh. And yeah, and he apparently talked to him from then on mm-hmm. about about what he was going to put in. And, mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, and he's the only one. That's the big question I'll have to ask them is about the dog. You know, they all, all the members and everyone always want to know if they're ever going to get another dog. Mm-hmm. What would you do if they had to put a dog on there? Would you be excited or not so excited? Um, well, I actually <laughs> put a dog in my entry... Was it? Oh, and they had the hunting scenes. Is that like you had to do like Actually, a little yeah. hunting? Yeah, yeah. I think in both of them that I did, that I had a dog. One was a little more obvious than the other. Because yeah. it was how many years did you have to do that? Two uh, or three? I know it was like the one has a call, and your brother's. Does it have a boat? Boy, I can't remember. But it was like a couple years y'all had to do yeah, like some sort of. I think he of, does have a boat. Jim did. I think Jim's yeah. had a boat, and then um, I think it was. A, I think it was Scott Storm. Was it Scott right, Storm has like right, a call? With the call. Yeah, I think maybe just two years. I think so, because before that was probably um, 
Eddie Leroy. Yes, and he didn't have anything in his. Yeah, I think just the two. So, yeah, there were dogs. But, you know, and I, it was like 2007, I think, one um, painting was disqualified because the dog was too too much Yeah. the primary subject of the right. painting. So Yeah, it's funny how they've changed. I, I have a lot of questions about like, yeah, how did that the King Buck stamp get in? Did it mm. change right after that or did it change later? Yeah, I like what made that choice. And then there's the, I guess it's, 1970, I think, is like the the decoy, mm, the mm-hmm. the Mason, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then that kind of there's no you don't really see many decoys after right, that. Right, right. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know why yeah, they changed those I rules. I don't know what drove that either. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like oh, let's make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do have some pressure to make the rules be clear. So okay. it's not like it wouldn't be fair if you're an artist for them to go to the judges and say, well, you know, they can put dogs in, but we don't think it would be good for a dog to be, you know, okay. to tell the judges some rules that are different what are than what are published for the right. artist wouldn't be fair. And you to get them. different judges most like every time, and yeah. so they don't really, yeah. It's new to them, so it'd be, yeah, make it simple. and It has to all be very well, very clearly stated. Right, and the, and so. the waterfowl has to be the feature, which makes sense. Because mm-hmm. you have to also remember, like, I don't think people think about, like, you have to then shrink this thing down into a very small square. Well, yeah, and there's another thing. And it has to yeah. look good. Right. It's a small square. Right. Like it's one by two inch, right, I think. Or maybe less. I thought there was a half an inch in it there. It might be less. But... <laughs> I think. Yeah, it might be less than that. Because yeah, it's small. So you're taking what it is seven, seven by, by ten. Seven by ten, and then that has to go down to that size. So you have to think about that. Yeah, and that's another thing that's different between doing a regular painting and a duck stamp painting is you have to think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, how much does that play into their judging? Do you think? Like, do they look at it that way? Uh, as you say, every judge is different, but they do give them. Uh, reducing, no, uh, yeah, reducing glasses to actually look at them and see what it looks like smaller. Yeah, you mean I would think so, you'd have to, because yeah, yeah, because not everything's gonna look good small. Mm-hmm. It would change. It's just like you know, if you print something out, like even like when that always drives me crazy. Like if you like their original painting and then they turn it into a print, like sometimes they don't even get the color right from right. there to there. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to do. So you would have to think about it that way. Because yeah. it's just going out to that painting. Yeah, I've seen a lot of really nice paintings, even in the Junior Duck Stamp Contest, mm-hmm. which I judged not too long ago. There were some really nice ones, but if you imagine them small, you wouldn't really see yeah. anything. And someday, yeah, that makes sense. How is that judging? The, have you done that before, or is that the first I, time? Many times, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Get lots of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> you think they come up with stuff you wouldn't think of Definitely. just because they're young? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, things you can't use like neon colors. And- right. Well, I wonder how much that has to do with also, because um, a lot of these kids are being taught by like their art teachers or th- whoever is with them helping them along this process. I wonder if like they're not necessarily getting the guidance that they need to get all the way there too. Yeah, it's hard because another thing that you run into a lot, which is totally understandable, they're kids, they're mm-hmm. learning, and one way to learn is to copy, and a lot of them um, will copy things from oh. other artwork, other duck stamps or photos that have been published and that kind of thing, which they can't do for the contest. But as a learning tool, it's probably a really good thing. So. Yeah, I mean, that's how I learned to mm-hmm. paint. Um they, you know, our, my art teacher would just have like these, I mean, they wouldn't have this now because they have the internet, but I had like, we would have this like wall of pictures and books and uh, things we could go through right. and she would, we'd, and we'd, whatever medium we were working in, because you would graduate up mm-hmm. and uh, like the end was to finally get oils. Right. <laughs> so, right. And then, um, but we would just pick from there and we'd go through it and, you know, mm-hmm. we could interpret it different ways or she'd encourage us to do different things, but we would just pick through this giant thing of, mm-hmm. yeah, like magazines and yeah. and go from there. And then as we got older, you know, we got more creative about where our stuff came, but I mm-hmm. started with her when I was like fourth grade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you're not as, you're just picking whatever cute animal you want to draw at that yeah. age. I was like, I just really want to draw horses for a really long time. <laughs> she never would let me. Uh, 
But um, are you ever tempted to paint these canvases on the wall here? I wonder if he would let me. They drive me crazy. I told him we're in the studio, and Joe is referring to all of the sound uh, things. I don't think you ever see them, audience, because they picture back here. But um, Chris lives in a padded room. Looks like. <laughs> <laughs> they just look like they just. Uh, He's added I, more. I, I feel like just. Oh yeah, there was like tons painting of, on them. No, they're they're they're. I don't linen know. Linen or. I think they're linen because I don't think they're linen because they may be cotton. I think they uh, would soak up. I don't know if they would. I don't know how they'll paint, but these are better. Hmm. Yeah, they um yeah. He's added more. <laughs> there used to be a lot less. He keeps adding. Maybe we should paint them. Yeah. Hole <laughs> on the ceiling, too. Oh, yeah. Your little Sistine Chapel. <laughs> yeah, I did all this. Um, I added a lot of the, the old decoys and the weights, mm. and some of the books are all from my collection and the old movies and things like that. It's like a museum. Yeah, we made it. We wanted to make it fun in case we ever, hopefully they don't make us do video, but <laughs> if they ever make us do video. Uh. So when, so the duck stamp, of course, and then, but I've I've looked at some of your work online and things like that. So how do you, because the duck stamp has to be extreme, like realistic realism. How do you strike a balance between realism and and your artistic expression? Uh, I I don't feel like that. You don't. Okay. Uh, I know it's a very uh, prevalent attitude for artists about putting their style, and I always my goal is more to take myself out of it. Okay. I I don't like it if somebody if somebody feels like oh that's the way you would do that. I I want to see how I can eliminate that. Huh. I wonder if that's your science brain. That could be, yeah. And and I not that I think that that's even possible to do. Right. But in to my taste, a lot of some of the worst art or art let's I should say art that I like the least is are things which are an artificial style has been put into it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like, you know, somebody like Van Gogh, I don't think he was trying to paint in a certain style or anything. That's just the way his brain worked. Right, know? yeah, I agree. And I think that's beautiful. But I, I don't know, I don't think you can... I think if you try to keep it yourself out of it, I think that's the best for me to do anyway, I guess. Yeah. That's an interesting way to. I didn't think you were going to answer it that way. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that makes sense. Uh, and then I guess it makes it. Does it make it because your brothers also do it? Does it even kind of like make that thought more prevalent? Like, well, you know, that's interesting. I I haven't really talked to them very much about it. I don't know if they think that way. Huh. I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Um, because we all are really trying to be realistic mm-hmm. as the the main goal. Okay. Not, uh, not does it look cool or anything like that. It, it it's is it real looking is our main mm-hmm. objective. So I guess they must have some of that. Yeah. I, I'll have to bring that up and see whether they feel that way. Yeah, because I mean, you all look at it from your individual perspective though. Mm-hmm. So you, there's no avoiding it in yeah. many ways. And we do know there are certain things we do. Yeah. Which I might, maybe I won't name all in my own thing. Uh, and that when we critique each other's work, uh-huh. you know, I, Jim, for example, might say, oh, you're, you're doing your circle thing there. <laughs> which is, I guess, something that comes out of my brain. There's a certain... Like a movement. Yeah, or is, no, it, is it your paint stroke no, or it's your? In the, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> if I do, I would. I would eliminate that. But there's a certain thing which he, and it's not the only thing, and we all have it. But the certain things which betray the fact that I have painted that certain okay. shading or shapes, curves, you know, a certain way that we do grass li- weeds or something mm-hmm. that and. Oh yeah, you're doing that again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we all try to avoid that, so I guess it's part of the same thing. Yeah, and that's super helpful that you have. I mean, I'm sure you've had many years to get over them telling you doing that. Yeah, no, it we doesn't all, we sting all, as much as it used to. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the skill is not so much in giving the critiquing, but it's in taking, understanding, mm-hmm. accepting the critiquing. Yeah, Bob has one. That he, uh, <laughs> Jim and I dread 
when Bob comes in, he'll come and say, look at a painting. He'll say, what do you think of that? He may, he'll look at it. This has happened more than once for both of us, but he'll just look at it and he'll look up to you and say, painting is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> then we know we got some major problems that we need to address. That's great. That's a very uh, middle one for that kind of comment, too. Yeah. It's a very, the test notes is a uh, birth order there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so one thing I always like to ask before we go is if, do you have any advice to these younger a younger audience, like these younger people that are doing the junior duck stamp or even prior to that, do you have any advice for them? I guess the main advice would be things that we talked about. How important is critiquing? Because as I said, I I don't, I'm not very technically advanced. I, 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 I wouldn't want anybody to try to copy the way that I mix paints or the way I apply brush strokes or any of that. Wouldn't recommend that at all. So it's just more about trying to keep your eye open, really seeing what's there and listening to critiquers. Yeah. All right. Well, um, before we go, do you have anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to mention? Not really. Uh, we didn't talk much about DU. In the, well, in they know we're DU. here. I guess they, they, <laughs> they hear enough about the... Yeah, they hear about us all the time. Oh, okay. This is about you, not about me. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been great. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm glad you came in town. Yeah. Well, we should probably mention that you were in town for the first day of sale. Of the new stamp. Yep. yep. Thanks, Joe, for coming on the show. And thanks to our producer, Chris Isaac. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.